Welcome, everyone, to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you fine listeners as well. My name is Aaron Spears. And I'm Mike Wendt. This episode's challenge is in honor of the Oscar season that is upon us. Never nominated directors. And I think more specifically, this is directors that they may have been nominated in other categories but this is they've never been nominated for best director i think that that's how i kind of thought of it i by yeah i kind of defaulted yes i'm with you <laughs> but i was honestly i was checking my note real quick. i was like wait a minute okay no, that <laughs> yeah uh, was true of one of them it sort of bugs my brain i wish there was like a it's almost a triple alliterative title never yes. nominated i don't know, directors that's fine <laughs> Yeah, we can't go in Oscar season without having somebody was snubbed, somebody was missed, especially the director department. I think uh, uh, Greta Gerwig gets gets the gets the trophy this year for. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. get nominated, but everybody really thinks you should have. It's probably also the sting too of like your movie is is nominated and seems beloved, but then yes. you don't get some of that love too. That's got a sting. Yeah, huge and huge box office. Uh, I guess that's the it's the pitfall of you know having 10 best picture nominees but only five director slots um true you know, maybe arguments can be made like they should probably make it 10 uh <laughs> director slots um but you know there's i think that's the fun of it like especially on nomination morning mm -hmm. uh, because it always seems to be even if even back when it was five not best picture nominees there always seemed to be that rogue you know pick uh like sometimes yeah. a foreign uh pick or something you know like i think in the year uh for the year 2000 uh david lynch you know got the the director nod uh for mulholland drive or maybe it was 2001 i i can't i'm trying to remember uh but you know he got that but it didn't get best picture nominees so right right sometimes when when that happens because some it's like there's that undeniable director feat that maybe mm -hmm. be more beloved than say the movie itself which you know Mahal drive i think now in like retrospect is like seen as like it's you know a lot of people call it a masterpiece but at the I think with David Lynch and certain directors, like, you know, their movies are kind of divisive when they first came out, like even, you know, Eyes Wide Shut or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mulholland Drive, actually, I think, um, I don't remember what prompted it, but I've been going through the most recent Sight and Sound, like greatest films mm -hmm. uh, results, and I was looking for more recent stuff. And, oh, it was because I was talking with somebody at work about Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And oh, yeah. Like, you know, that's actually really highly ranked for a new movie, regardless of, of what yes. country it's from it's very highly ranked in that 200 like it's in the top 20 or i think 15. it's 30 yeah 30? it's like yeah the top it's 30. really high for like a very recent film and it always blows my mind when i check in on that list since mahal drive came out which has only been like what two two lists i guess but like mahal drive is way up there yeah and i remember loving it not to turn into a david lynch fest but i remember loving that sure. when it came out and seeing it several times in the theaters my friends and i were you know film nerds and in film school at the time and um just going like what the fuck is going on in this movie? You were trying to figure it out. It's a great puzzle. And it was just, we just loved hanging out with that movie uh, endlessly. But yeah, I, I'm glad you pointed that out. Cause I was, I, I was kind of blaming the whole 
10 potential best picture nominees, but only five director nominees, you're going to have some that don't don't overlap there. But yeah, it was even happening back when it was just an even match, five and five. Yeah. But and I, and I think one of the things, uh, you know, kind of just looking at at this director category that sometimes, you know, obviously what the director is, you know, a lot of times the end all be all of a movie sometimes, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. like they, they transcend who's starring in it or whatever. Uh, but there's there tends to be somewhat of it. Uh, maybe you could argue an elitist kind of um, mentality when when you make this top five. So sometimes that has eluded a lot of directors who are who like to um you know go into certain genres such mm-hmm. as horror um comedy um you know especially you know throughout the years and so yeah i i think sometimes it when like when preparing for this episode there's one director in particular that i will mention of course uh <laughs> that i was just like wow like nothing never yeah never, like never in the conversation almost and it's just uh that that to me is kind of surprising just just considering um how influential a lot of you know this person's films are which i you know so it it, it kind of does like blow your mind a little bit like who gets it and who doesn't like do they just not like campaigning? Do they hate the game? Do they, right. you know, <laughs> do they just want the work to represent itself? Fair question. Of, yeah. I yeah. Mean, who knows? <laughs> I think one of the things you said that was kind of key is the the genre element mm-hmm. to it. I, I did kind of whittle down my list. Uh, well, I kind of mentioned those when we get there, but it, it did come down to some genre stuff where I was like, I wonder if that's why they've never gotten a nomination um I, and i didn't look through i think my two honorable mentions like i don't think i'm not sure any of the films even got any kind of it wasn't like they just ignored the director but like screenplay cinematography anything like that i think it was just a complete blank slate as far as nominations go for yeah, all their work yeah um and i think it, it really hurt so yeah i had a lot of that too as i was going through and i was i was checking out lists online and then i would also double check you know their imdb to make sure like did 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 we though did they did they <laughs> just to be safe yeah. and there were so many times like are you kidding me yeah um, was a reaction to a number of this and i had quite a quite a list going actually uh to to pick from but i did kind of whittle it down to be yeah some specifically some genre work that i was like okay this just has to be addressed <laughs> yeah. this is this yeah. is clearly an injustice that needs to be addressed and it it feels a bit easier to take when their filmography or the the whole film is just completely ignored versus like the Greta Gerwig we mentioned this year. We're like, well, you clearly saw the movie and you liked it. Like all these yeah. other nominations happened. What about the, because also you could argue like that is a directed movie. Barbie is. Yeah. Oh um, yes. yes. I mean, there's certain other ones where you're like, okay, well, I can't really tell if there's like a, a singular voice here or like, could anyone have directed it? Um, you know, you just have like a, you know, journeyman style director plugged in and it's fine. Or like, what did you say with the other one? Uh, Meat and potatoes director, like James Mangold on our previous episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. Can yes. you tell it's a James Mangold movie when you watch it? Uh, I don't know his work that well. I would say like it is a mark of quality, but it's not like when you see a clip from a Scorsese movie, you're like that feels like a Scorsese movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. kind of vibe Barbie, there too. But I mean, Barbie could have been a colossal misfire if it if it wasn't directed with such you know specific vision. I think I don't know about you, but when I first heard like Mattel is starting a studio and they're doing a Barbie movie. 
I feel like I knew that information before I knew it was Greta Gerwig doing it. And I was just like, well, this is going to be a pile. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not like a misfire from start. And, and then what we got yeah. from it as, as a viewing public, we're like, oh my God, like this should be celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Please, please. Yes. But uh, so the one I picked for my actual pick, though, was the one that just enraged me the most. Um, sure. That was how sure. I, I, I I broke my dad. Did you have a certain approach you took or? Well, yeah, um, I uh, I think um, the picks that I have, they are, I think they're all living. Um, I, I was kind of looking, you know, not that I want to exclude people who are not living anymore, uh, but uh, there, there were like, there's one like who never really got any uh, attention and, and I'll just say it, you know, cause uh, because I'm not using any dead directors, but um, uh, I, I am uh, using one, but I think I know where you're going with this. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Oh, go okay. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say like Buster Keaton, I think, okay. uh, you know, as somebody who, um, you know, never really was nominated uh, before. And, um, you know, I mean, there's another one, obviously, uh, you know, his name starts with the C, but uh, that's what I thought you were going to say now is Charlie <laughs> Chaplin. Yeah. But yeah, Buster Keaton was on my list too. Yeah. Uh, not none of the ones I picked, but I was just like, okay, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he was, it said like he was nominated or Charlie Chaplin was eventually nominated for best score. Uh, oh, something. I missed that detail. How weird. Yeah. So they're aware uh, he exists. <laughs> like yeah. you got a nomination at least, but wow, yeah, crazy. But, uh, but yeah, but no, I I, I kind of so some of mine are somewhat contemporary, but they're probably a little older in the they're older, I would say. Um, sure. And the fact that they haven't is just kind of kind of interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's jump in. I think we got some good good groundwork there. Um, okay. You want to kick us off, Mike? Yeah. So I'm uh, the first pick. I'm going to go with is director Rob Reiner. And uh, I'm going to say the the movie that he should have been nominated for. I'm I'm guessing the movie that he probably came closest to a nomination was for A Few Good Men, because that was nominated for Best Picture. Uh, but I would say Stand by Me. I think is is a movie Ooh. that uh, deserved to to net him um, a uh, a Best Director nomination. That that was somewhat earlier in his career. But you could also make the argument for when Harry met Sally. Uh, but I think uh, there's something with him, perhaps because he started he started his career as an actor. And a lot of times uh, we've seen cases where um, actors have have you know um, done very well at the Oscars uh, in the director category, like uh, Robert Redford and uh, um, also um, Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I think there might be just a stigma like, you know, oh, he's that guy from All in the Family. Um, but, you know, if you look at his filmography, very interesting, at least in the early years. I think the last couple of years he's um, there's some been some diminishing returns in, in quality. Is this, but, is this like a before North and after North kind of situation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like with. Uh, you know, I think this is Spinal Tap is brilliant. Um, and Stand By Me, I just absolutely adore. I think a lot of people yeah. of, of a certain age, our age, uh, like that one. And, uh, you know, when Harry Met Sally is, you know, very, I think, influential in the in the romantic comedy. Oh, for sure. Game. And, um, you know, I think uh, A Few Good Men certainly has some really great scenes in it. Um 
you know, if, if I don't remember all the movie, <laughs> well, but, uh, you know, you can't handle the truth. I mean, that's, you know, that's going to live in movie quote, uh, you know, <laughs> lore forever. Yeah. Um, or so, that I'll have what she's having when Harry met Sally, like he's kind of yeah. got those like trailer moments. Yeah. But I, it, I, it's like, he's somebody who delivered really good work and uh that you know never really yeah got those kind of accolades and kudos but you know certainly those a lot of those movies did fairly well at the box office so he's probably not crying over it um uh, right <laughs> but uh but no i mean he uh and i know he has several emmys probably under on his mantle from uh back when he was with uh, all in the family but uh but yeah rob reiner uh maybe not as like cool of a pick uh as some of the other ones that i have <laughs> but uh but i just think he's just that he's that dependable studio director that yeah. um came from that different world and has done really well for himself and very genres too like you also have misery it's a fantastic adaptation yes, absolutely what's the oh the i this is gonna say the peter falk um princess bride yes like absolutely when you have yes. multiple beloved like i would say cult favorites but it's even more than that just like iconic films from you know a, a period of american filmmaking uh that should be recognized yeah 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 i mean but so yeah he was nominated once as a producer of the um of a few good men, few but, men. okay uh, i mean i just can't I can't believe it. You know, not, not once, not <laughs> if you would have not, asked me like Rob Reiner nominated, I would have said, um, well, actually I knew the answer. Cause I'll tell you in a second. Cause one of my honorable mentions, but, um, I would have <laughs> definitely said like, yeah, probably for a few good men or misery. Like I would have assumed, yes, he has been nominated. Yeah. Um, How about you? Well, so my first one, I will, uh, skip ahead. I had it written my, as my number two, but they're not really in order. I'm going with Christopher guest. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, I got there because in my head, I was like, you know what? Comedy is just usually overlooked. Comedy, horror, one of my other honorable mentions I'll mention in a second. And when I think of a certain type of comedy, I was like, well, Christopher Guest carved out his own. I mean, he didn't like invent the mockumentary. Um, I get that. Like, I don't know. You can count War of the Worlds if you go back far enough. Yeah. Mockumentary or um, what's the Shirley Clark connection. Uh, but those are like, that's a drama david holzman's diary i guess but like doing mockumentary as a comedy but also with the cast of actors that christopher guest pulled together yeah. for his different ones and the way that he structures them around i kind of i was thinking of them as sub genres you know like the best in show you know the dog show thing and then the type of characters you can get around that from the commentators <laughs> to the participants um muddy wind goes after kind of folk music the uh for your consideration you know oscar's you know, yeah. vanity of actors, blah, 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 mascots. I didn't care for too much, but you know, it, it was a, it was a swing and I, I yeah. laughed a bit. So it, it was fine. Um, but those are, you know, professional mascots. I want to give him the nomination for waiting for Guffman. Yes. In 1996. And I, and, and I was going back in his filmography. I was like, I really would have said he directed spinal tap. I totally forgot. It was a Rob Reiner movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess like co-wrote it and he stars in it and it was, you know, part of the the brainchild that, you know, was there. Yes. But it was also early on in his career, in Guest's career, that I was like, maybe he just wasn't, you know, ready to direct yet. Or they were like, no, we got Rob Reiner. Let's let, you know, let's let Meathead direct this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it it is like, this is Spinal Tap does work as like, oh, this is kind of the formula 
that guest would use for mockumentaries. And I don't think he's ever going to get a nomination at this point. Um, it, it, the mockumentary comedy is maybe an acquired taste the way found footage movies are, but I really like yeah. it. Uh, Waiting for Guffman came out. Um, I was in college at the time. I just started college, 96, but I was a theater nerd from high school and I was with film nerds and working in the theater department um, doing set design stuff and construction work uh, at college. So like that was a big deal movie for all of us and going to watch sure. Waiting for Guffman. We're like, we've all done community theater. We all recognize these characters and just perfect mockumentary comedy um, capturing that those that type of, of, of individuals on a, a yes. level. So. Yeah, I'm going to go so with... So many good performances in that. <laughs> oh, so many, yeah. And the way that kind of the troop of actors kind of stuck together and they work off each other and then just... You can see where they kind of went out and proliferated around too. Like, you know, you don't get... Uh, well, maybe you do, but, you know, Shit's Creek was a recent, you know, last few years discovery and something I adore yes. um, that I was like, oh, Eugene Levy still got it. When you got it, you got it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and everybody else too. But yeah, everything um, kind of around him... Uh, you know, some people argue diminishing returns as he kept going with the mockumentary thing, but I always think it's worth checking in on and getting a chuckle or two. But waiting for Guffman was just Mwah. like that. Yes, that should have been appreciated. <laughs> um, so my uh, my second uh, honorable mention is, um, you know, this is a, a director that came up along the same time of so many iconic directors, um, you know, Spielberg, Scorsese, Lucas. Um, I'm same Brian De Palma. Uh, Brian De Palma has yeah. never, ever. Uh, he, I mean, no, no nominations. And um, I'm gonna say, you know, the one that he probably should have been nominated for is Blowout. Um, it's uh, a movie with John Travolta. I think at at the time his wife uh, Nancy Allen uh, of uh, or uh, De Palma's wife Nancy Allen, who uh, they met on the set of Carrie. Uh, blowout is a is a, a amazing film <laughs> it's it's a movie that uh i know is a favorite of uh tarantino's i think that's how it first came on uh, my radar in college actually um and uh you know because there was some book or something or some interview where he talked about how blowout was like just so good and uh you know just the shot the shot selection in blowout the the use of sound in blowout is like is very important um and uh there's like there's just so many iconic shots especially towards the end with there's this great fireworks scene um you know it it maybe one of travolta's best performances um and uh the fact that he had just such an amazing i mean he's still alive but you know still you know so many other really cool carry as i mentioned mm -hmm. uh the untouchables is a lot of fun i think oh, uh, I that was him yeah uh you know especially sean connery and uh mm -hmm. even though like kevin coster is kind of seen as like you know the the farm boy or something <laughs> in that movie uh but uh but really cool and even like carlito's way you know uh, it, it's just um i think over the last couple of years like he's really slowed down in his filmography he hasn't really made much yeah uh, i think maybe black dahlia in 2006 he might have made a few other things but like they're kind of forgettable right uh, but, uh, but he had just such a you know maybe because he somewhat also lives in that 
in that genre world where he was sometimes mm. seen as a a Hitchcock ripoff or something, right. you know, especially with like, um, you know, some of the, some of the things that he made in the seventies um, and early eighties. But um, I think, you know, the fact that he's got to be, sometimes he's probably got to feel left out <laughs> a little bit, you know, when his contemporaries, his like best buddies that he yeah. had to with, all like getting, you know, nominations and, and stuff like that and he's the one who doesn't i think it's uh it's kind of a travesty in some ways <laughs> yeah absolutely uh that puts two things now at the top of my watch list i've actually never seen blowout oh so wow. i'm gonna bump that right to the top and i've been yeah. circling that um was it uh the noah bombeck documentary yes. on de palma i've been circling that too because I've seen a smattering, well, I don't know, a half dozen at least or so of De Palma movies, and I've always enjoyed them, but yeah, in my head it was like, he's the other guy from the 70s that, I'll get to him eventually, and I thought if I do the documentary, that would give me a good foundation for appreciation, and then see a few of the ones that I, I haven't seen of his, so I, I gotta get on that blowout, there's no reason yeah. I haven't seen that yet. The um the Criterion disc for Blowout is really great. Has some really good special features on it. Uh, but uh, you know, I guess uh, real quickly, I'll just recap. But like, Travolta is a he's a foley artist for for movies, and you know he hears this um this car wreck, and uh, then he he becomes obsessive with it. He's trying to you know figure out, or it's like this gunshot that causes a car to to crash and then there's all there's kind of there's a femme fatale in the movie which is um you know nancy allen and it's uh yeah i i think i think you'll really enjoy it if you uh give it a watch oh yeah i'm sure it's on criterion channel or whatever <laughs> but it might be one of those i just need to own it and have it sit in front of me until i watch it just calling out to me like just, just yeah. watch me <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm afraid to look up brian de palma's filmography because i feel like i'm gonna be like there's a lot of blind spots that i <laughs> am not yeah. not realizing i mean there's certain directors like i know kubrick i still have like two movies i think of his that i haven't seen that i'm i don't want to be fully done with kubrick like i still sure. want a couple out there but um, i got too many gaps into palm i gotta jump on that this year yeah he uh there, there's another interesting one he made uh with margot kidder called sisters um you know, i have seen one. that one Okay, yeah, that one came out Excellent. in the seventies. Yeah, I think that's the one that he did before Carrie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, a, um, he's got he. If you if you watch if you ever watch that Noah Baumbach documentary, because I think that was also it was a co-direct with uh, Lawrence Kasdan. Kasdan, Jay Kasdan, I think. Yeah, yeah. De Palma comes off kind of crusty, kind of uh, kind of like a curmudgeon, but. Um, but I think they they do it in a way, or it's like the, the film kind of shows why he's kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, actually, no. It's it's uh, Noah Baumbach and Jake Paltrow. Oh, Jake Paltrow. Jake okay. Paltrow. Yeah. Sorry about that. I thought it was Chad. Right. And uh, now I have clicked on De Palma's filmography, and I'm not going to waste everybody's time with uh, <laughs> what I'm lacking there. So. Anyway, <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think there might be like a genre. Th thing to it although i feel like i did i feel like scarface got a lot of nominations um that one scarface was kind of mm -hmm. uh, maligned when it came out was it okay 
and then like over the years has like grown in you know cult popularity and okay you know mostly because of pacino i could be misremembering that just because i knew oliver stone did the screenplay for it and i feel like i could remember that was like a nomination or that was just an early highlight in his career yeah. like no maybe, maybe you're right I'll, I'll trust your memory on that one because i my i yeah. Uh, as we mentioned off and on throughout the course of the show, I mean, like I could have sworn that per- that was a nominee, but yeah. Oh, it says that it was nominated for a couple Golden Globes. Globes, okay. And then, oh, the Palma was nominated for a Razzie Award for Worst Director for Scarface. For Scarface? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you looked that up because that's kind of baffling. <laughs> but like you said, if it was like maligned, yeah. I, I, I mean, I have only known it since like I don't know as a video store kid in the '90s, like. It's yeah. like posters are everywhere. They're on every college kid's wall. Right. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> so, huh. All right. Well, that is shocking. Yeah. I have uh, my other nominee or my other honorable mention is not a nominee. That's the whole point of the show here. <laughs> um, and I think it's definitely comes down to genre here. I'm going with uh, Sergio Leone. Ah, yeah. If you look at his output, it's not a ton as a director. Now, he came of age in kind of the Roman sorry, not the Roman, the Italian film industry where there was a genre of films that were basically like the gladiator, you know, swords and sandals, like cheapy movies. So he does have one called the Colossus of Rhodes, which is an early movie that he did, which is one of those movies I've seen. I don't remember anything about it. Um, It was one of those like deep Amazon prime cuts during the pandemic where I was like, that's a Leone movie. Oh, I'm hitting play on that. (laughs) Um, And then you wake up and you're like, I think I watched it, but you know, obviously did the, um, Fistful of Dollars, Few Dollars More, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, The Dollars Trilogy, The Man with No Name, and then does uh, Duck You Sucker, which is a great one as well. Um, it's not as highly regarded as those, but it is a, a fantastic one. And then Once Upon a Time in the West and Once Upon a Time in America. I think the nomination should be for The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. As mm. much as I do love Once Upon a Time in the West and Once Upon a Time in America, and I realize this is asking a lot because, one, we need a time machine for this to happen, to go back to 66. <laughs> <laughs> but... I don't think there was any way, uh, you know, a spaghetti Western in the late 60s was going to get the attention of the Academy. Yeah. But every time I watch that one, it's just, I watched that one actually. That was the first Leone movie I watched. I remember watching it on VHS and I was like, oh, this is a director I should watch because I was getting into film and it just ruined Westerns for me after that for a while because it wasn't as, none of them were as good. Yeah, and that was my intro, and then I tried watching some John Ford and some Howard Hawks and some classic ones, which I do appreciate more now. But at the time, I was like, okay, what I wanted was, you know, this is like a, I'd already seen Reservoir Dogs, like I know what violence in movies is like. Yeah. I wanted, you know, I didn't want a shot to the gut, fall over dead kind of western. I wanted like the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, or the Wild Bunch, or something. And to this day, like it still holds up. Like it's such a perfect kind of, uh, kind of the triangle compositions and the way that you have this, the triple narrative going with the, the quiet, well, with the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, super, super simple plot for a 160 minute movie. Um, civil wars raging out of the background, which is an amazing thing for your background, uh, yeah. to be the civil war. <laughs> um, but then also to have like your three main characters, just we're searching for, for stolen, mo- for stolen money. It, it's, it's just, it's deceptively simple, but the way he works with like, almost no dialogue in tons of scenes. Um, all of the things that you think about in spaghetti Westerns, he's just, he's firing on all cylinders with this particular one, the editing, the, uh, the whip pans, the quick zooms, you got the Morcone yeah. score. Um, it's just, just spectacular. And I didn't notice it until looking it up for this episode, but, uh, the cinematographer he worked with 
uh, throughout almost all of his career, uh, Tonino Deli Coli shot everything from the good, the bad, the ugly to Salo or the 120 days of Sodom to life is beautiful. Mm. Uh, the Cameron, like he, like if there's a classic work of like Italian yeah. or international cinema for like 20 years that are like, he shot it. And those movies don't all look alike either. Like it's very much like, here's what I need for this particular movie. And that this project is going to be, um, and it's pretty, he shot a Fellini movie too. So it was like, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, but this is a Leone celebration. It's his, his, I would say kind of meager output, um, you know, seven movies. Like there's an argument except for that Roman gladiator one. Um, so if it, you narrow it down to like six movies, like it kind of could have gotten it for any of them. Yeah. Like the quality is crazy. Uh, crazy high quality for, for, uh, the span of his career in directing those movies. I was debating doing once upon a time in the West. Yeah, and story by credits on that one were Dario Argento, Bernardo Bertolucci, and Sergio Leone, which yeah. is a crazy oh. story credit. But oh uh, no, that the beginning, that like beginning portion of Once Upon a Time in the West, I think should have that that alone could have should have got him like a an Oscar mm-hmm. nomination because it's such like uh there's so many like yeah iconic shots in that and just the way how the pacing and everything it's like. It's the Henry Fonda reveal when you're like, yes, Shit. yes. Henry yep. Fonda just killed that kid. Uh, no, I was debating going with Once Upon a Time in the West because I was like, it's the one that the Academy should have been paying attention for. Yeah. If I was um, like a studio exec, I would have a big cigar and be like, no notes. Perfect. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> print exactly. It, print <laughs> it. <laughs> Ship it out. Get it on screen. Uh, absolutely. But uh, well, what's your what's your your actual pick, Mike? Never nominated director. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of wondering here because he hasn't this person has been mentioned. Um and I, I will say I was I was kind of debating putting a woman here because not that many women have been nominated, uh, which is which is a sad state of affairs. But I'm kind of wondering if we might be in simpatico on this one. I I, I, I know where you're going and we are not. Okay. Okay. Well I, think I know where you're going. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> So I'm going to go ahead and say uh, David Cronenberg. Uh, David Cronenberg, never, never mentioned or nominated by the Academy. And um, while I think this is definitely one of those biases where um, David Cronenberg has lived in a certain, you know, mostly in the horror genre yeah, um, and sci-fi and, uh, you know, or, you know, something like, a movie like Crash uh, might have been too risque for for the Academy, but uh, and I'm I'm trying to really narrow it down to like two movies that I think he really um, showed his um, his gift uh, with uh, just uh, really kind of provocative. He he's just like a, his movies are always very provocative, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, I was kind of narrowing it down to Dead Ringers, with which is, uh, you know, with Jeremy Irons, uh, such a great like dual. Like if there ever was a a dual role, just the way how like he acts in that movie, and then just the way how it kind of builds up. There's like it's almost like a little bit of a trashiness to it in a <laughs> in, in like in a daring way, kind of. Um, but I'm gonna go with uh, a movie that. When I I remember distinctly seeing this in the theater and just being like, I was so into this movie. And I think it immediately went on my list of like best movies of that year. 
a history of violence is what I'm going to go with. Thanks, Tom. Good ever. Have a good evening. Just closing up, fellas. Coffee. I'm sorry. We're, we're closed. Oh, I know that. I do know that. Ah! Shut up! We don't carry much cash here. <laughs> don't move. Do it! our lives. Hello, my hero. Tom Stahl is a family man with long-standing ties to this community. Right now, this community is rallying behind him and calling him a hero. Way to go, Tommy. Oh, great, more reporters. You look like reporters. You're the big hero. Really don't like talking about it, sir. You sure took care of those two bad men. Joey. My name is Tom. It's Joey. You tell me. Sarah? Sarah? My daughter, where is she? What's going on, Dad? They thought they knew me. Thought I was somebody else. Nothing to worry about, Mrs. Stahl. I've been watching over. I don't know what you want, and I don't really care. You should care about what I want, because what I want might change your life. Why don't you ask Tom and ask him how come he's so good at killing people? Uh, so, a history of violence... Uh, is basically uh, about a, a mild-mannered man who lives in a farm and then um you know you slowly start to learn that uh he had a previous life and he was a he was a, a kind of brutal killer uh, <laughs> um and the way how everything unfolds is uh is masterfully done and really good performances in this movie not just from Viggo Mortensen but uh from Maria Bello who plays his wife uh, and then also uh, William Hurt has like uh, he was nominated for this movie. Uh, I mean, he, he's probably in the movie like less than 10 minutes or something, but he plays like the uh, his brother. It's either his brother or cousin or something like that, but uh, is a mobster. Uh, and, uh, you know, there is uh, as is kind of. Uh, vintage Cronenberg there are scenes of very brutal violence in this um you know in, in plus the title of history of violence but uh <laughs> and there's also like a very uh graphic <laughs> sex scene that takes place on a, a staircase with uh <laughs> Vigo Mortensen and Maria Bello the fact that he has never been nominated I just I mean it's either a um you know the bias against certain genre movies it also could be is that he is devoutly canadian i, I don't know <laughs> that's such a specific way to say that <laughs> yeah and i don't know i mean is is it just when you look at it like not that many or james cameron is is considered i mean he's canadian American, mm -hmm. won the oscar but not very many other canadians have been nominated i like one time adam mcgoyan was nominated for a movie that i mentioned on this podcast for that i love the sweet hereafter oh right uh, but but there's something i think about cronenberg is like his not that i don't think he's anti-american or anything but he's just usually always decided i, I think he like kind of took a stance as like he's never really gonna make i think he directed maybe one movie in america 
Uh, it's one of his more recent ones. Um, but, uh, you know, he usually will either do it in Canada, in Toronto, in his like native native city. But I think he might have made a few in like Europe or something like that. Okay. So I, I kind of wonder if maybe he doesn't have enough allies or support um, because he is, you know, he's kind of planted his flag there. And, you know, he's been such a champion for Canadian film industry. Yeah. But And if you look at, you know, his nominations list, I mean, he's been, I think he's been nominated for best director for the Canadian version of the Oscars, which is called the Genie Awards. I think like 10 or 12 times or something like that. That makes sense. So, but, you know, even something like The Fly, I think, uh, is just so impressive how that movie works. Um, yeah, he's just, I mean, he's hes one of the best. And uh, so I could see maybe one day down the line he might get that the honorary Oscar or something like that. Um, you know, maybe even Naked Lunch. I mean, you could throw it. I, I don't know. There's <laughs> so many different things that he did that was that was so unique uh, visually and also mm. this the way how um like i said how provocative some of these films are they make you really think and uh so the fact that he's never been it it kind of doesn't shock me but at the same time you would have thought maybe he was he was recognized at least once yeah i before looking stuff up for this i would have said cuz i remember history of violence being received critically as Oh, Cronenberg's doing like a revenge drama or like a, a quote unquote straight movie. It wasn't in like the Cronenbergian, like there's no videotapes going into people's chests or, yeah. you know, the, the body horror that he's really known for, for, for reason, like that, that was like a mainstream movie that he had made. And then since it, cause it got, you said William Hurt was not, yeah. you say William Hurt was nominated and I, yeah. and Josh the, Olsen the screen, was okay. Yeah. Was. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those like, yeah, it extra stings. Cause you're like, well, okay. So you saw it and you liked it. Who do you think directed that performance? Or who do you think put that screenplay up on the screen? Um, sort of thing. So yeah, I wonder, yeah, if it's kind of a combination of uh, the genre work, but then also, what did you say? Devout, devout Canadian kind of yes, <laughs> kind of vibes to it. Cause I was looking real quick. Um, the Cannes film festival has no problem celebrating him. Uh, a lot yeah. of or nominees. Um, I don't see any wins here, but even like Crimes of the Future from just a couple of years ago was a Palme d'Or uh, nominee. I think he won for Crash. Uh, Saying here, nominee for Palme d'Or won a jury special jury prize. Okay. Oh, right. Yes. No. Um, now I remember the story. It was um, what's his name? Francis Ford Coppola was the was the head of the jury that year. Okay. Found it very uh offensive so because i think the rest of the jury really liked it or something but then he decided <laughs> he decided to uh you know they they did that special thing because he wasn't really he wasn't he down with it but they had to give it something that, yes yeah so well palm d'or winner that year was secrets and lies so okay not, not too makes- shabby either way but it's you yes, know yes. very different from crash <laughs> yeah yeah very very different that's funny. Like this is, I've also been meaning. Like I bought History of Violence not too long ago, like within the last year or two, because I was like, I saw it that one time in the theater and I loved it, and I have not revisited it recently at all. So uh, it's the kick in the ass I need to like. No, yeah, I need to rewatch that one. Yeah, it's a tightly, tightly wound movie. You know, it's maybe like a little over ninety minutes. I think uh, and that's, you know, that's something to be. As I I might have said on this 
podcast, but something to be commended these days. <laughs> <laughs> we need to actually write that down as a future topic, like 90 minutes or less or yeah. or, or something as a yeah. kind of look out. 90 minutes, give or take. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Plus or minus. I really thought you were, I did have Cronenberg on my list, uh, like my long list here. I thought you were hinting that you were going to go with John Carpenter. That that was he was also he was on my short list. Short list yeah, mine yeah. as well. Um, but when <laughs> I saw this person's name that I picked, I was so outraged because it was it was my top American film of the year in 2018, and I remember just being so livid that she was ignored uh, when this came out. Uh, so I went with Deborah Granick, the director mm. of Leave No Trace. <laughs> It's not a drill. He's got him. Stand up. You alone out here? My daughter's with me. Dad? Let's go. Can you tell me where you live? In the park? There's 435 questions. Respond true or false to each question. Who taught you how to read? My dad teaches me. You're actually quite a bit ahead of where you need to be. I wake up rested and peaceful most mornings. True. My day-to-day -day life is full of things that keep me interested. True. I have nightmares or troubling dreams. Is your dad in the service? He was. Do you feel safe living with your dad? We didn't need to be rescued. Your dad needs to provide you shelter and a place to live. He did. It's not a crime to be unhoused, but it's illegal to live on public land. We have found an option. Are we gonna be okay here? Still think our own thoughts. Keep pedaling. Look where you wanna go. School is about social skills, not just intellectual ones. I think it might be easier on us if we try to attack. Wearing their clothes, wearing their house, we're eating their food, we're doing their work. We have adapted. Be, it, so this is why it, it's an extra sting because they're aware of her, and yep. they celebrated Winter's Bone when that came out in 2010. She got a nomination along with her writing partner for screenplay. We also got a supporting actor nomination for John Hawks, and we got you know basically launching the career of Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, she got a Best Actress nominee, I think like second youngest actress ever to get a nominee yeah. at that time sorry to get a nomination time and it was nominated for best picture uh winner's bone was and i can't remember that was was that the back when they were doing 10 movies just yet that was 2010 yeah i think that was, was okay one of the first years because it was like just shortly after the dark knight uh year. oh you're right yeah so it's one of those like as i was looking it up she they're aware she's there. They've enjoyed her other work. It's not like Leave No Trace was like a step backwards in quality or anything like that. In fact, I, I double checked. It still Leave No Trace still is a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's got over two hundred and twenty, two hundred and fifty reviews. So it's uh, universally can say is still a claim. Yes. Not just because there's like fifteen reviews on there. There's several hundred on there. Um, you know, dozens of top ten lists, and just no love from the oscars at all for that movie zero noms for anything um having just celebrated her previous film 
I don't know. I just remember being really, really pissed. And she was in my head because I looked her up. I knew she'd worked at the Sundance Lab. Okay. Sundance Lab and alums. Um, I was kind of looking back at her career. Um, she has um, a movie. I think I saw it actually locally here at the Cleveland International Film Festival in 2004 called Down to the Bone with a uh, very young Vera Farminga um, getting a, a lead role that she went to the Sundance Lab with a documentary called Snake Feed that was a short um, I think it yeah. was the documentary she made it for her master's at Tisch School of the Arts, if I remember the her bio <laughs> off the top of my head correctly. And then that turned into the fictional film Down to the Bone, uh, made for like five hundred thousand and dealt with like she's she always does really interesting character pieces in my or yeah. character yeah, yeah. studies, I guess. Leave No Trace could not have hit me harder when I saw it, not because I'm like uh, a vet or PTSD, but you have the amazing Ben Foster and as a dad with Tomlinson McKenzie, um, who people may more recognize from like last night in Soho or more work as she, as she's grown up here a little bit, but it was her debut performance playing, uh, his daughter. So Ben Foster's character is a veteran suffering from PTSD and they live in this old growth forest up in, uh, I think it's outside of Portland. Um, yeah. but they're, they're, they're homeless. They're, they're living in the forest. They live in isolation. They use his survival skills to, to, to live. And when you see them too, it's not like a, Oh, woe is them kind of situation. Like they have a great bond together yeah. and they have a, a life where you're like, Oh, they're doing okay. Well, society says you should be in a house and have a job and all this other stuff. And you're like, I, I don't think this guy's going to be able to, to handle that. There's not a social safety net to really like help lift this guy up. Um, so they are discovered and we do go through kind of, you know, she, she's growing up. She may not want to live in the woods forever. Um, <laughs> at the time, um, my daughter was turning seven to eight. So becoming, you know, having her own opinions and ideas and, uh, being a dad definitely hit that movie hit a little bit harder for me. Like I saw there will be blood the year my son was born. And I was like, Oh God, father's and relationships are really, <laughs> really, really getting me right now. Uh, this one did it for that. But I also, I, if you haven't seen the movie, any listeners out there, if you haven't seen the movie, it's not like a real heavy, intense character study, although that kind of is there. Deborah Granick has this beautiful, like sensitive kind of, I want to say like a light touch to it. Yeah. Like it's all done from Tomlinson McKenzie's perspective and there's no, like, it doesn't feel like artificial drama just to like ratchet up the tension um, or anything. Like it feels like a very naturally unfolding way that these characters you've been introduced to would you know, be there for each other and support each other. And there's the idea of, well, if she's at a certain age, she wants to be her own person and maybe she doesn't want to live this life that dad has set up. Can they live apart from each other? Can he be okay out in the woods on his own? And she yeah. does move towards society. And I don't know, it just blends it all together in such like a, just a, a beautiful heartfelt way that now I feel like I'm describing a lifetime movie. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, no, I think you're describing it very well. I, I, I really enjoyed that movie when it came out. And I think the the one thing that was kind of refreshing with it was I, I want to say it had like a PG rating. It is. Possibly. Yeah, it's PG. And, you know, sometimes if you see a PG rating, you know, you might avoid that because you're going to think, oh, it's like too maybe a kiddie movie. But it's actually like for a PG movie, it's very grounded in it. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, the performances are great. Uh, like seeing Thomas and McKenzie now, like, you know, she's, she's picks, she picks, she has like a great agent. I don't know who, <laughs> agent, but like she picks great material 
Uh, even this, I, I just saw her in this movie a couple weeks ago called Eileen that had, uh, oh yeah, as Anne Hathaway. It's a kind of a weird one, kind of a Hitchcockian movie, but uh, like she's she never picks boring material, uh, and uh, and yeah, it, and I think Ben Foster extremely underrated. I would say, oh absolutely, uh, like I mean his work in. Uh, the one that was hell or high water. I mean, he, like so good in that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I think um, he should have probably got some no- some nomination love for this, as as so did Thomas and Mackenzie and and the movie itself. So, yeah, yeah, the whole way around, just like needed to have all kinds of love. And it, it was it would have been better if Winter's Bone had been ignored. They were like, oh. Deborah Granick's just that independent you know, uh, worker yeah. who's just you know getting the Independent Spirit Awards, but it's never just going to get Oscar love kind of thing. Yeah, that sort of thing. I'm glad you point out the PG rating too, because I, I kind of had forgotten about that. It's it's one of those. If it came out of any other country, we wouldn't even be thinking about what the rating is. But since it's on the poster and it's on the top of the IMDb listing, you're like, it's not PG because there's any punches pulled or anything like that. Where like you'll get maybe like a PG-13 comic book movie where you can tell like. Oh, they're cutting right before the bullet hits or they're not, you know, it's not like that. It's like, it tells the story it needs to, it wants to tell. And it just happens to be a PG 13 or sorry, a PG rated story that's being told. And that, that, that's it. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I mean, I know, I think we should pat ourselves on the back. These are some good picks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I, I can always tell because I'm like, I'm ready to go watch several of the things we were just discussing here. So yeah. um, that's usually the good sign that uh, we're on the right track here. Absolutely. So our official watch challenge picks for never nominated directors are David Cronenberg for A History of Violence and Deborah Granick for Leave No Trace. Aaron, what challenge do we have uh, up for us next time? Well, we're continuing to wrap up uh, the year, I guess. We're you know in the award season, and we thought, hey, we're a watch challenge podcast with topic-based challenges. Why aren't we wrapping up the year um, in February? So we are. We're going to be looking at the best of 2023. In the meantime, if you'd like to suggest a topic or genre you'd like covered on a future show, hit us up on Instagram at Watch Challenge Podcast or email us, watchchallengepodcast at gmail.com or the links in the show notes. Indeed. Until next time, folks, rate, review the show and whatever podcast app you are using, and we'll see you with the next challenge. Mm-hmm.